Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. If you were Protestant and you were the church is always talking about, you came to the altar every week to confess. I mean, every week you got saved over and over again. How many remember some of those times? It's over and over again you came. Paul says, wait a minute, that's not the way you're supposed to live. Jesus says, that isn't what we're talking about here. If you come here on Sunday and you go, I did my deal. I gave money. I sat here for an hour. What do you want? Well, here's what Jesus wants. He wants your life to be different from before. It should be totally different. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you may sometimes grow weary. Maybe you spend a little too much time on the couch when you could be helping with an outreach or spending time in the Word. But we're all called to do God's work, and He's designated special things for each one of us. The thing is, we'll all be called into account for how we spend our time. If He's called you to do something, now is the time to get to it. Call on Him for renewal. He wants His body to be full of life, to be gracious servants. And so He'll help you get there. Just put yourself out there. Pastor Mark will help us come to an understanding about how to be a willing servant today. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 4, for our continuing study entitled, God's Bed and Breakfast. Be holy, keep the place clean. In Hebrews, it says this, We should make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see God. A few years ago, my wife and I were in a bed and breakfast in London. It was a great time. We hadn't been there before in London. And we got this bed and breakfast place near one of the subways and whatever. We went in, and the breakfast there was wonderful. You know, everything there is cream and clotted cream and butter. And, man, I mean, it's like Heart Attack City when you sit down for breakfast and eggs and sausage. It was, it was good. It was greasy, and it was good. It was wonderful. The breakfast part of the bed and breakfast was great. The bed part was miserable because the place was dirty. Ugh. Can you imagine? It was horrible. Well, this bed and breakfast was the kind of same thing. When you go to a bed and breakfast, don't you want the room and the dishes to be clean? I mean, who wants to have a dish with egg all over the side and, you know, for somebody else? I mean, you want it clean. So what God is saying in the bed and breakfast, the area you've been assigned, your room, he wants it to be clean and holy. It should be a place of holiness. I remember Charles Stanley talking that when he was a young teenager, his mother had left and said, sweep the house and do whatever. Well, he did, but he took all the sweepings and lifted this big area rug and piled it underneath. And when mom walked home, there was this hump. Well, he got in trouble. He tried to hide his dirt. How many know this morning you cannot hide your sin from God? God knows your heart. He knows where you're at. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. And when we think about God's bed and breakfast, I have to think of my own self first. 
My own area must be clean. My life must be clean. It must be holy. Paul talks to us a lot about holiness. Notice that scripture says, without holiness, no one will see God. When we think of holiness, many of us think of long skirts and long thing and no makeup and your drink, whatever, all kind of things you were raised with. No, holiness is something on the inside of you. Doesn't mean sinlessness perfectly, but it means that sin doesn't that have dominion over you. Let's look at Colossians 3, verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, in other words, Jesus is coming back again, then you will also appear with him in glory. In other words, he's coming, that's the rapture, he's coming back for the Christians. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Because he's coming back, in other words, live holy. Sexual immorality is something you should put to death. Impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. So Jesus, through Paul, is saying this, your life should be representative of who lives within you, and it's Jesus Christ. If your place is going to be clean, it will mean that the natural man of you, the, the sinful things in your life, will not have these. Let's look at it again. Sexual immorality and impurity and lust. Do we see any of that on TV today? How about at the movies? You know, you can't hardly even go to a movie anymore. You say, well, I go to any movie I want. You need to read the list. Because you're feeding garbage in, garbage out. Half the situation TV comics today now are, are people living together or homosexuals or lesbians. It's incredible what's happened. You can't feed your mind this stuff. So Paul says, if Jesus would come while you're sitting in one of the movies you went to, would you feel comfortable? Well, say, don't say that to me. I don't like that. That's what Jesus is saying. We should be holy. We should be like Jesus Christ is. You can't be watching that kind of stuff. But notice also it says greed. And he says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And what is the wrath of God? The wrath of God is the tribulation time. That's why he's coming. He's going to pour his wrath out. Now look at verse 7. This is a key, and you need to understand it. Paul says, you used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. So what does he say? He says, at one time in your life, sin ruled you. How many remember those times before you became a Christian? So let's stop just for a moment. How do I, and the reason I'm going to take just a moment to go through this is because there is such misconception. How do I get in to become a servant in God's bed and breakfast? Well, here's how. You don't get into salvation. You don't get into heaven by doing good things. You get into heaven one way, by being invited in by Jesus Christ through the cross. Jesus went on the cross to die for you. It has nothing to do with this church. It doesn't matter if you were raised Catholic or Protestant or Jewish. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. What you do with Jesus Christ determines where you're going to spend eternity. If you personally repent of your sins and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life as your Savior and Lord, and then you begin to walk like Him, then you're going to be part of God's bed and breakfast. His work on the cross paid for your sin. So what Paul says is, listen, there was a before Christ, 
and there's an after Christ. And here's what it means. Before Christ, you might have been a good person, but you had sin in your life. It ruled you. When I come to Jesus Christ, when I repent, repent means changing my way, walking a different way. So Paul says, you used to walk that way. If you're here this morning and you come to some church or you were Catholic or Protestant, you came up front and you accepted Jesus Christ and your life, since you've accepted Jesus Christ, is the same it was before you accepted Jesus Christ. Nothing spiritually happened to you. And you're playing with your eternity. Now, when I accept Jesus Christ, then there is a before and an after. My life will be different. Will I be sinless? No. First John says, if you say you're without sin, you lie and make him a liar. I sin. But it isn't prevalent in my life. It isn't something that rules me. I'm different than I was before. It's not about sleeves. It's not about long ears. It's not about no rings. No, all that jazz that we try to do external. It's here. It's in the heart. So Paul says, you used to walk that way. Don't walk that way anymore. If nothing changed in your life, When we give the altar call this morning, you need to be here. Look at the next verse. Paul really challenges. He says this, But now the pastor must come to your house and help you get rid of such things. How many would like for me to come to your house and get rid of those such things? I ain't coming to your house. Now why wouldn't I come to your house to help you get rid of those things? I got my own house to take care of. I have my own sin to take care of. I have my own bed and breakfast room to take care of. It's got to be clean. I can't come to yours. Now we do publicly as we teach, Pastor Bill and Rick and I. When we teach you, we, we challenge you in those areas. But notice what Paul says. Look at it again. But now you must rid. Well, I want somebody else to do it. No, you must rid. How are you going to rid yourself? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. What do I rid myself of? Paul goes on. You said, well, I'm not into homosexuality or lust or whatever. Well, let's take a look. What else is there? Anger, rage, malice. Here's an interesting one. Would there be any slander in any churches across the world tonight? Have you ever talked behind your back against somebody that's in the fellowship? Have you ever complained about the pastor going too long in the sermons? (laughs) The elders do. You might as well join them. So, How about... People say, well, you know, before I became a Christian, I had a problem with my language, and I still have a problem with my language. Now, these things don't happen overnight. Sometimes it takes a principle. But over time, God will remove that. Because look at the next thing. Filthy language from whose lips? Lips. So there should be a change. Look what he goes on. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its old practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge of the image of the Creator. You see, in those days, the Greek and Roman religions had very little to say, listen, about this, about personal holiness. You could go in those days, in those pagan religions, and offer a sacrifice. You could bring the sacrifice, you could put it on the altar, you could say your prayers, you could light a candle, you could go home from the altar, commit terrible sins, and it was an accepted practice. You say, well, how horrible. Actually, many of you were raised the same way. If you were Catholic, you would go take communion every week. And with that communion, then the rest of the week, or you went to catechism, 
or you went to confession and the rest of the week, the rest of the six days, you lived however you wanted to. And then you said, well, I got to get back next Saturday to whatever doing. I got to do this. If you were Protestant and you were the church is always talking about, you came to the altar every week to confess. I mean, every week you got saved over and over again. How many members some of those times? It's over and over again you came. Paul says, wait a minute. That's not the way you're supposed to live. Jesus says, that isn't what we're talking about here. If you come here on Sunday and you go, I did my deal. I gave money. I sat here for an hour. What do you want? Well, here's what Jesus wants. He wants your life to be different from before. It should be totally different. There should be holiness. There should be clean areas in your life. Now, when you see that, you have to understand that Jesus is not talking about different people. He's talking about every Christian here. Think about this. Some of you guys can relate. Once in a while, my wife would go away, and if we had young kids, my wife would go away, and as a husband, you're left with the home with the kids. And it's, how many know it's good if she tells you when she's going to return? <laughs> she goes away for two days. How many know it's real good she's going to tell you when she's going to return? How many know you're in trouble if she doesn't know, tell you when? You, how many know you're really in trouble if she returns a day early? <laughs> how about maybe an hour early? She's going to be back at 3 o'clock. And at 2 o'clock, what's the house look like? <laughs> Disaster. Frozen everything. I mean, food was frozen. Dad couldn't cook. Places are told as that. Don't know where anything's at. If she comes home early, you're what? You're in deep trouble. So what is Jesus saying? Listen. You don't know when I'm coming back. So, always keep the bed and breakfast clean. Do you got it? Because he's going to come at an unexpected time. There is no time to clean up your life. Keep it clean now. Your lifestyle, seven days a week, should be holy. Realizing we sin, we need to ask confession for those sins. Now, if you're here this morning and you're playing around with sin. You're on the internet. You're calling 900 numbers. You've got bitterness. You're stealing at work. You're living with somebody and you're not married. You're having sex as a teenager outside of marriage. You're going all the way except right to the end. And you say, it's okay. It's not okay. It's sin. You need to get rid of it. Well, somebody's going to, no, nobody's going to do it for it. You have to get rid of it yourself. You say, well, anger, that just came a rage. I mean, that's my personality. No, that's your old personality. You get rid of it. See, he could come before we finish this sermon. You need to be ready for his coming. Sin is serious. It's not something to be played with. It needs to be taken care of. So if it hits you this morning, you take care of it. Get your life straight with God's help. Number four, be fruitful. Keep the place filled with life. Now notice, each servant in the bed and breakfast is a Christian. Each servant has an assigned task. Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 12. When you're in God's bed and breakfast, you may have been given the, the job of cooking, washing the pans, uh, vacuuming the rooms, painting the house, doing the gardening, ordering the meals, bringing up the luggage, I don't know, whatever. We've all been given different assignments, but everyone has an assignment. Notice that when this is happening, 
What God is trying to say that when you come to a good bed and breakfast, it should be a place that's filled with life and activity. Neat things are happening. And in so many churches today, there isn't any life. There isn't any neat activity. Now, I want to challenge some of you before we look at this passage in Romans 12. Some of you here this morning don't have any idea of really what service means. And here's why. You're not serving. If you're new in this church and you've been here a few weeks, that's fine. But if you've been coming for a few months... You need to serve. We need you. You have a gift. The bed and breakfast doesn't work with three people. It works with everybody doing their response. Remember, this is not me speaking. Jesus says, I'm leaving you behind. You're a servant. And how many were assigned tasks? A-L-L. Oh, that means you. Look at Romans chapter 12. Let's talk about the giftings. Now, when we talk about God's giftings, you have to understand that every single one of us as a Christian have been given a gift. In, in Romans 12, we see what's called the motivational gifts or the grace gifts. These are just a representative. They're not everything. None of us deserves to be in God's bed and breakfast. There isn't any of us that deserve to be there. You and I this morning have to realize that God's grace brought us there. Let's look at verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him give, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now, I don't have time, but you'll see these seven gifts. They're just represented. There's more gifts than that. But I believe in those seven, every one of you have at least one of those gifts. Prophecy is really declaring the truth. Teaching, certainly you can see what I'm doing. Exhorting, some of you have the gift of exhortation. I have some of that gift this morning, where you encourage believers to do good things. You need to be challenged. Some of you need, many of you need to be in a small group where somebody challenges you. You, you can go to the night and say, well, man, I've been watching, I've been calling 900 numbers. They're going to give you a kick in your spiritual pants and say, what are you doing? You can't play around with that. Some of you say, I'm just discouraged and they're going to encourage you. That's the gift of exhortation. Leadership. Many of you had that gift. Serving, by the way, is a gift everyone has. And then giving. Those of you who have ability to give and you just have a generous heart and, and God has really blessed you and you're able to do that. By the way, giving is also part of all of us. And mercy should be part of all of us. That is not one of my strengths, mercy. And when people counsel, they know that. Because sometimes I just say, why aren't you doing it? Come on, God, let's just get moving. But others have more mercy and they like to go counsel to those people and Whatever, but we should have a balance of these. Now, what should we do with these gifts? Let me give you some things quickly. Number one, know your gift. I don't want the gift of mercy. I like to have the gift of teaching. Well, who assigns the gifts? God. See, when you walk into his bed and breakfast, he just hands you something and say, there's what you are. And when you walked into the body of Christ, he gave you a gift. Don't say, no, I don't want the gift. I want another gift. You don't have a choice. He's the boss. Is he the boss or is he the boss? Is he a good boss? He's a great boss. So he knows what gift you have. And he gives you that gift. Not only should I not be jealous of somebody else's gift, but I have to exercise my gift. Some of you are sitting on your gift. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? When somebody challenges you. You say, oh, I've been a Christian 43 years. How dare you talk to me that way? I'm not talking to you that way. God's talking to you that way. He's coming back. He's coming back. You will stand before him. Not me. For him. Then we allow everybody to exercise their gift. Isn't it good to have all the different gifts? 
You know, when we're done with all of that, well, who's, who gets the glory? God does. It's His. You know, I was thinking as I was driving home last night, this church, this bed and breakfast is better than any Hyatt hotel in the world. You guys are just awesome. You're doing a great job. Number five, be faithful. Keep serving 24 hours a day. Look at Mark chapter 13, verse 36. Let's go back to that verse just for a moment. Mark 13, verse 36. Jesus is trying to say to his disciples, he's giving them a simple warning. It includes sleeping. Look at the verse. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you what? Sleeping. So in other words, like the wife that's going to come home, you don't want to, if the house is a wreck, you don't want her to find you sleeping. Oh, I meant to get up, I just didn't get up. Here's three things that happens to Christians that are sleeping spiritually. Number one, they become lethargic. Number two, they become apathetic. Number three, they become tired in well-doing. How many of you like caffeine? How many are hooked on caffeine? Be honest. You say, I'm not hooked on caffeine. I can go two or three hours. Not a problem at all. <laughs> right. How many have the coffee pot all day long going? Come on. If it's not that, it's Mountain Dew times three or whatever. I mean, well, in Seattle, it's a rainy, cool kind of climate. And when it's rainy and cool, you like to take a book, curl up on the couch, put the fireplace on, and just go to sleep, don't you? Is it any wonder that Seattle is the caffeine capital of the world? It is. That's where Starbucks came from. That's where SBC is, Seattle's best coffee. You, you go two steps and there's a coffee shop. Another two steps and there's another coffee shop. Why? Because everybody's sleepy. So Jesus is trying to say... <laughs> Jesus is trying to say to us, this verse, this verse is spiritual... Caffeine. In other words, how many know a bed and breakfast has to operate 24 hours a day? Have to be there. During the middle of the night, if you need something, there has to be somebody there to meet your need. And that's why the elders and I, myself, we have, of all the pastors, we have our phone numbers in the directory. Why not? We don't hide them from people. If you need help in the middle of the night, people don't abuse that. We help. We have to call. I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here to serve. So we have to be serving God faithfully 24 hours a day. As I talk to you, remember, you need to be disciplined. You need to be motivated. You need to be filled with hope. Now, turn to two passages of Scripture quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and also 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The reason I have to be faithful is really because I love God, but there's another reason. I'm going to be judged on my faithfulness. When we talked about these end-time things over the last four weeks, the Great Tribulation, all of those kind of... We talked about the Great White Throne Judgment. Let's review those again. The Great White Throne Judgment is for all unbelievers. We're going to talk about the Judgment Seat of Christ. This occurs after the rapture. This is only for believers. You will not appear at the Judgment Seat of Christ and then say, I'd like to become a Christian. You will not appear at the Great White Throne Judgment and say, well, I see hell there. I'd like to become a Christian now. It's too late. Where you end up, every person will end up at one of those two places. Where you end up determines on what you do with Jesus Christ today while you're breathing. You got it. 
In today's message from Mark 13, we imagined what kind of bed and breakfast we would want for Jesus. One that's clean, holy, full of life. Pastor Mark explained how we should prepare our hearts now, living in a way that will glorify Him now, if He returned this instant. We were challenged to really take a look at our lives and how they reflect our heart. That if our lives haven't changed since being saved, neither have our hearts. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is MB3161. And the title of this message is God's Bed and Breakfast. Again, the message number from today's teaching is MB3161. And the title of this message is God's Bed and Breakfast. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we conclude our study when we'll be faced with the responsibility of using the gifts that Jesus has given us. Pastor Mark will present us with the future event called the Great White Throne Judgment, when each person's heart and work will be examined and judged. We'll have to face up to all our actions, but the outcome will already be determined. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 